This week's episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets online at Fansets.com. Fansets. We are Star Trek. New Trek, new trailers, and new aliens. Season two of Discovery may still be a few months away, but with the premiere of Short Trek's Runaway and the latest trailer for season two, we have more than enough to kick off our brand new season right now. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to our first official Season 2 episode of Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. New mini-episodes and new trailers have been the talk of social media the last couple of weeks, and we are thrilled to be back to talk all things Discovery. As always, this is the premier podcast to get the most in-depth discussion and analysis about our favorite spore-jumping starship and her crew, And over the next few months, we will be treated to new short treks, focusing on several familiar faces, as well as at least one new one, and we'll be here to break it all down. And you know, as always, when I say we, you know, it's my favorite part of the show, I get to welcome my esteemed number one. As you remember, his thoughts and predictions on season one have become the thing of legends, and certainly not because he was right. But nonetheless, I can't do this without him. He is my special friend. He's my brother in Trek. He is the one and only Bill Smith. How are you, old soothsayer Bill, my friend? (laughs) Well, you know, as the soothsayer, uh, I can tell you that the only thing that's guaranteed in our future is more Star Trek Discovery. Buddy, I'm doing great. It's good to be back in the saddle here on Discovering Trek and uh, looking forward to talking short treks tonight and and a new trailer. It was a big week. It was a big week. Uh, It's great to be back. It's great to have you here. Uh, And it's also great to hear from our listeners about what they have to say about short treks and the trailer. How might they contact us, my good man? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Well, you know, Dan, hailing frequencies are open and we're transmitting friendship messages in all languages, on all frequencies, and to people who may be invisible or not. You can discover us on Twitter at Discovering Trek. And on the Book of Faces, we can be found at Facebook.com slash Discovering Trek. In either place, you can join in on the discussion. Leave us comments, questions, suggestions, or, you know... Tell us what you think we're going to see in the next few Short Treks episodes. Plus, don't forget that you can also send us a voicemail by going to trekgeeks.com and clicking on that giant blue button on the right-hand side of the website. Please do remember, though, that any comments you leave us could be used in an upcoming episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. All right. Well, here we are, man. Uh, as you mentioned, just a, a week ago as we record this, the very first short treks dropped. It's called Runaway, and it focuses on our favorite cadet, Tilly, or she's actually not a cadet after the events of the finale in season one. So um, before we get really into the meat of this discussion, what are your general thoughts on what we saw uh, last week uh, as our first taste of what we're going to see in season two? Well, it's funny you put it that way because I'm hoping this isn't what we're going to see in season two. Um, I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on it. And in fact, even that's an overstatement. I'm not a huge fan of this short trek. I can only hope that they get better because I feel like I've seen this before. 
Hmm. I feel like there wasn't a whole lot that was new here. We'll get into the reasons why shortly, but I get why people are excited to see it because it gives us more Tilly, but that to me was really the only positive thing about this outing. I don't disagree with you, man. Um, As I have watched it a couple of times since last week, I got to admit, I think one of the things that's exciting for me is the fact that A, it's new Star Trek. Yeah. B, it's new Star Trek in a way that we've never seen it before. We've never had just these short little 10 or 15 minute episodes. And it's kind of a cool spin. At the same time, it can it can be in such a short amount of time that it might leave things out or it might leave some things to be desired with what we're expecting and what we actually get. With that being said, it's Tilly, like you said. I'll watch anything with Tilly. I'll watch a phone book with Tilly's name listed 18 million (laughs) times because Mary Wiseman is just amazing and her character is so phenomenal. But yeah, my general thought on it also is, as you said, lukewarm. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the other three will bring us in the next three months. But uh, it's new Trek. And like we've always said, new Trek is good Trek. Well, you know, you mentioned short stories before. This really is a short story. But you know, this is something that, the novels have been doing for four and a half decades. Mm-hmm. I think back to the old Blish, you know, comp- uh, compilations of the 1970s with all of those amazing short stories. And it, it's, it was a, a medium where Star Trek thrived for many years. And I think it's tougher to do for television. I think your script has to be that much tighter because you have to tell a cohesive story. This to me kind of felt like one B plot extracted out of a a regular length episode and i think maybe that's why i'm lukewarm on it because it it didn't seem strong enough to me to carry a full length episode okay well we're gonna get in-depth uh analysis and opinion uh in just a second but uh from here on in this episode of discovering trek contains spoilers So if you haven't watched Short Trek's Runaway, stop listening right now, head on over to CBS All Access, check it out, and come on back. After all, it's only 15 minutes long. Go ahead. We'll wait. Tilly talks with her mom. She goes to the mess hall has a little bit too much caffeine. An invisible girl shows up and the replicators throw up lots of food everywhere. It's a big mess. Hormonal space rabbits and all that. Tilly learns they're both kind of runaways of sorts. That's kind of cool. Poe acts like an animal, but turns out to actually be a queen. Oh, she's got the lithium. Tilly beams her somewhere. Somewhere. Don't know where. The end. <laughs> okay, that could have been your best one ever. <laughs> well, with with apologies to those who have become a fans of uh, become a fan of the recaps on, on Discovering Trek, I figured that a short Trek should have a short recap. So, I, I figured it was best to hit the high points instead of coming up with a recap that was fifteen minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done as always, man. So, uh, so yeah, you. It's a short story. There's not a lot going on. Um, uh, basically focusing on two characters. So, so let's, let's dive right into it. Let's, we're going to do things a little bit different with short treks than we normally do uh, with full 
uh, length episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Let's let's bang out what we liked about it the most first. And, and I'll start off with one that I'm sure a lot of people are going to agree with because we've talked about it already a couple of times here in this episode and we talked about it all during season one. And that's Mary Wiseman. She just continues to get better every time we see her. She's so uncomfortably great uh, in her character. She's always got those weird moments where, you know, you just like, oh my God, I know exactly what she's feeling. And I think she's able to project that humanity so well in the character. And that is the thing that stands out to me the most uh, in this short trek. What about you, man? No, I agree with you hundred uh, percent. Mary Wiseman is the most positive aspect of this short treks episode. Her Tilly is gold. You know, everything Mary Wiseman touches in Discovery, she just makes amazing. You know, from the smallest of scenes and reactions to, you know, the being featured prominently in a, in a medium like this, she just, she's lights out as Tilly. And for me, it's hard to see the line where Mary Wiseman ends and Tilly begins because I get the sense that they're, in some ways, they're really not all that dissimilar. But uh, Mary just, puts in another stellar performance and it's example of, of why I think Tilly's become one of my favorite characters in the whole of Star Trek. I love why you said that. And, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent because right now we're watching uh, Longmire, uh, my wife and I, and Tilly is a uh, Tilly. Mary Wiseman is a prominent character in the season that we're watching. Yep. And she's got a lot of that quirkiness in that character on Longmire. So I love the way that you said that there's some of Mary Wiseman and Tilly, because I think there's some Mary Wiseman in the character she's playing on Longmire. Uh, and that's a testament to her as an actress, an actor. So I think that's fantastic. Nice job, man. Well, thanks. So what can I say? I had a good lead in. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you did actually. Um, one of the other things that I'm going to say that I liked a lot about this episode, because we got to see or hear, I should say, more of it than we're used to. I got to tell you, I love the computer voice in this show. I think it's fantastic. Um, ever since the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I got, you know, this may be Star Trek blasphemy, but I'm kind of digging it more than I enjoyed the uh, Major Roddenberry version of the computer in the TOS and TNG and, and all the other iterations of Star Trek. I just love the sound of that voice. I hear the cries of a million fanboy gatekeepers uh, <laughs> crying out and they're all about to be silenced because you're right. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you. All right. I, like I mixed it. the no, streams and- a little bit there and then turned it back. And I know I, the computer voice is fantastic. It in itself and it's, it's, you know, very unemotional way has become a very interesting character. It's a little more believable than the robotic working from yes. the 1960s, you know, when that's what we kind of figured AI would be like. Right. So, um, no, I love the computer voice on discovery. It's, it actually is one of my favorite, you know, um, parts of the ship itself. Nice. Um, and of course, as we talked about, um, Star Trek is important in that it brings very Star Trek stories to the forefront. And I think this is an episode that does that very well. We get a new alien race. We get this uncomfortable first contact and we get to see how they um, interact with each other. And I thought that at least for that aspect of the writing in this story, I thought it was pretty good. And I would give it a Star Trek uh, vote to it, if that's a better way to call it. I suppose. I mean, it's Star Trek by virtue of the fact that it's got Star Trek in, in the name, right? 
Um, does it feel very Star Trek-ish, uh, which is not really an adjective, but I'm going to employ it as one? No, it does. I mean, there are elements there that are clearly about understanding something not human, but also understanding a part of ourselves as a result. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I said in the recap, you know, that they they realize that they, they've got something in common. You know, Tilly's, or I'm sorry, Poe's not the only runaway in that short. Tilly is is really kind of running away from her mother. Um, and, and the domineering sense that she has, but it didn't resonate enough with me. I get what they were trying to do, but, mm-hmm. and it's very, it's, it's so Star Trek. Um, but eh, <laughs> I, I, I'm having a hard time with it. That's all right. Hey, someone's favorite is someone's least favorite, right? Champion yeah. rule. It Champion applies rule. to short treks as well. Uh, what else you got in terms of what you liked about this episode, man? Cause I, I, I gotta imagine there's at least a, one more. Oh, absolutely. So, the scene in the mess hall where the food slots start throwing up food <laughs> that is, and I don't know if this is intentional or not for the moment, I'm going to assume it's not. Um, it's such a great nod to the animated series. Um, and the, uh, the practical Joker episode where the computer starts playing pranks on people. There's a scene in that episode where the computer start, or sorry, the, uh, the food replicators start throwing up food. And so if that's the case, I think it's fantastic. If it's coincidental, I think it's even more fantastic mm-hmm. because the writers came up with something that worked 40 plus years ago. So, uh, I just, you know, in my heart, I'm going to say that, yeah, they did it on purpose uh, because it just, it makes me smile. Nice. It was it was great. I've, I've seen a couple of people uh, post their happiness for seeing that. And actually, there is one one post that I saw today that showed a screenshot of the animated series with food being thrown out of the replicators. And then next to it was one with with here and runaway. And, and I didn't realize that I had actually forgotten about that scene in the practical Joker. For some reason, all I can think of in practical Joker is Kirk is a jerk, but I don't want to digress <laughs> too, too much. Well, I think you saw that photo posted by former or past Discovering Trek guest, Mr. Aaron yeah. Harvey. Yes, that's right. It was Mr. Harvey. That's correct. Actually, uh, as always, Bill, you're right there to, to make sure I'm, I'm in line. Well, okay, we talked about some of the things that we liked. And and again, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on, on either likes or dislikes because it was a short trek and it was only 15 minutes long. But let's go into the things that you and I have talked a little bit about, about what we didn't like and some things we haven't actually talked about. Um, there was one glaring thing in this episode that stood out to me right away. And that was when Poe introduced dilithium to Tilly and talked about the fact that she had designed a dilithium recrystallizing process. Mm -hmm. And I instantly thought of, um, in star Trek four, when the crew of the enterprise traveled back in time and the dilithium crystals and the bird of prey were decrystallizing. And Kirk said is, I can't believe we've come all this way only to be stopped by this. Is there any way to recrystallize them? And Scotty said, sorry, sir, we can't even do that in the 23rd century. So I'm like, um, uh, okay. And I think there was another episode of TNG that talked about the inability to recrystallize dilithium, but I could be mistaken. What, what are your thoughts on that, man? Well, I mean, just because Starfleet can't do it in the 23rd or 24th century doesn't mean that some of their alien species can't do it. And there's plenty of alien technology we don't understand. That's true. The original series is replete with things that humans and Starfleet and Vulcans have never seen before. Mm -hmm. That is so technologically advanced that they, they have to try to wrap their mind around it. And I have to assume it's something like this. Maybe it's a process that, that, that only works for them. I don't know. But uh, I have to think it's possible that somebody somewhere can do it just because we can't. 
Okay, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. I hadn't really actually thought of that. And as I think about it, while you bring that up, it's quite possible that we'll see this race in season two. Um, I'm kind of hoping that what we see in these short treks kind of ties into the season. But it is quite possible that they never become members of the Federation. So this technology or or engineering is never shared with the Federation. That makes perfect sense, man. I like that. Um, I I still thought it was a little strange. Sure. Uh, one of the other things that I I really didn't really think was a positive aspect of this episode is, is Tilly's mom. Wow. (laughs) Just another overpowering and mean parent again in Star Trek. And it seems that we've seen that a lot. And, and now you can see where some of Tilly's um, trepidation and nervousness and awkwardness might come from. I mean, if you had to deal with that kind of mothers and we only saw her for, you know, a minute and a half on screen and I wanted to punch her face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you mean her face we never saw exactly oh good point yes very good yeah I, what do you think about her, about her i get the sense they hired a voice and didn't necessarily hire somebody to actually play the mother on set i could be wrong <laughs> but it just looked like camera trickery because um they didn't hire somebody to play the holographic mom so uh i thought that that was uh, i thought that was poorly done even though i liked the casting of the mom's voice mm-hmm. um uh, but yeah, she's, she's overpowering. She's, she's that, uh, she's a mom that you can understand why Tilly is, you know, half a, a quadrant away from for a reason. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think we've all been there at some point, but that, that kind of like, uh, I don't want to say it reminded me of Sarek in a way. Um, but I did find myself thinking of that and how Spock and he hadn't talked for 14 years, which we may see part of in season two. And then you see what you just said, Tilly's now in Starfleet and she's as far away from Earth as she can. Is this part of the reason why? So, ah, uh, family. It's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> Always. <laughs> okay. So the last thing I'm going to bring up and then I'm going to turn it over to you about something that I didn't like was at the end of this episode. We found out that Poe is a queen and that came out of like left, left field. Um, didn't, I mean, that was just like, really? And what I thought was so interesting about that is she's a queen on a planet that has just become warp capable and she's an engineering whiz who created some way to recrystallize dilithium yet in the transporter room, she's sniffing the transporter controls. I, I, I don't know about you. I just, I just found that kind of strange. She's obviously an advanced species and she's worked with technology. And I just found that really, really strange. Um, other species may do things differently, um, but that seemed way off to me. What did you think about that? Well, I'm going to use your point to springboard into mine um, because my three things are all the same. The, th- the three things I dislike about this Short Treks episode are the writing, the writing, and the writing. I don't understand why Poe goes from being animal-like and fearful and constantly disappearing, sniffing the transporter controls, as you indicate, um, eating ice cream like a, like a wild alien thing. And then immediately, like almost as if a switch was slipped going to Regal and, Oh yeah, by the way, my coronation's tomorrow. Yeah. That's just, it's sloppy. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel like this entire script was kind of mailed in, in a sense. Um, it, it seems it's tropey. It seems rather hackneyed. Um, uh, I, I have to lay this, uh, the blame on this clearly at the feet of, of Jenny Lumet and Alex Kurtzman, who wrote this episode. 
Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with a lot of Jenny Lumet's work. She did write the new mummy film that Kurtzman directed that Tom Cruise was in, mm-hmm. which I, I did not like at all. Nope. Uh, but, uh, this is not Kurt, Kurtzman's first go around with Trek. Um, th- there are holes in this all over. And when you're doing a short format episode, I think you have to button those up even more because it's like we said, where did she beam Poe to? Thank we have you. No, <laughs> we have no idea if they were in orbit of the planet. Tilly just puts her on the train. We have to assume she is, but you know, there's, there's nothing to tie that together. You know, maybe the computer says now in orbit of such and such. Mm-hmm. Well, or, it's, 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 it's funny that you say that because at the beginning of the episode, they show the external or the exterior shot of, of the discovery and they're not in orbit of anything. They're just nope. in, in the middle of space somewhere. And it, you're right. It, it may just be a little detail, but it's a glaring hole that they never said that they were in orbit of anything. And for her to just beam her somewhere, that was that's an example of the writing flaw in this that you just brought up. Fans like us are going to pick apart something like that because that's kind of a big thing. And even if they had some little thing off to the side, like you just said of the computer saying now in orbit around Gamma out or two or four or whatever um, <laughs> that, that would have helped. And it was missing in this and it affected the, uh, how I uh, took the episode. You know, there was a beautiful shot at the beginning of the episode of the discovery doing a flyby. Just like you said, we haven't gotten many of those really beauty pass shots, mm-hmm. you know, as transition. They could have used a very simple transition shot like that, much shorter, just showing the discovery uh, approaching a planet. Um, it would have answered every question in the book. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that uh, I think that's really what gets me about this is that from from discovery, I've come to expect a certain level of storytelling because the first season, you know, 15 chapters in a, essentially what, what amounts to a novel. And they were all told really well. We liked every single one of them. And for me, this is a definite step backward. It's a giant step backward. This um, this is not my favorite trek. I have to hope that the other short treks are going to be light years better than this. Because right. um, after watching, I didn't want to watch this a second time. That's how that's how bad I thought it was. So, well, we will see. Of course, um, the next one, which we'll talk about later, has a new character. Um, so hopefully that'll surprise us with some stuff. And then, of course, we've got Saru, which we're looking forward to, and then Harry Mud. So fingers crossed. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, you know, there's one other thing I want to mention. So I'm watching this episode, and I'm I'm watching the credits afterward, and I see a lot of names I recognize, you know, like some of Discovery's 47 and a half executive producers. <laughs> and the one name I notice is missing is Ted Sullivan. Yeah. What's and up with that? I, I think that that tells me volumes, you know, um, I think that if the discovery writing staff had actually worked on this story, we'd have a much different outcome. Mm-hmm. The other thing I've noticed is that I don't see discovery on Ted's Twitter bio anymore. So that makes me start to ask questions too. And yeah. And if, if, if these things that we're seeing and you're seeing, mean anything it's it's extremely disappointing um but uh, i guess time will tell as we warp into season two we are thrilled and honored to welcome back our friends at fansets as the exclusive sponsor of discovering trek you know fansets has so many collectible pin offerings for fandoms i mean just even aside from star trek you can get yourself pins from alien or harry potter or even justice league if you manage to stomach that movie and (laughs) so many more from the dc universe Uh, they are adding new pins all the time we want everyone to definitely check them out 
It's real easy to check them out too, man. It's fansets.com. Very simple web address. Uh, it's the address that you want to go to and you will not be disappointed in their amazing selection of pins. Fansets is pinpoint accuracy. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. So Bill, not only did we have new Trek with short treks, but we also had this past weekend at New York Comic-Con, a brand new trailer thrown at us for season two and OMG, W-O-W, wow. (laughs) (laughs) More like WTF because it was amazing. (laughs) Um, You know, it's amazing because in one week we had Runaway, as you mentioned, and then we had this. And I think one of the things that they've done really well with Star Trek Discovery is to hype what's coming. And Mm -hmm. this trailer is fantastic in that regard. We see so much in two minutes that it's unreal. If if you watch this and you don't get excited, then you want to check your pulse because I think you might want to get yourself to an emergency room. I've watched this thing now at least six or seven times and I see something different every time. So I um I I can only wish that I was in the room at New York Comic Con when this was when this had dropped. Oh, yeah. Because I can imagine what the fans there must have felt. Well, what's interesting about it is this trailer drops, and we were just talking about short treks. It's new trek, but we kind of had a lukewarm reception to it, as you uh, the the analogy that you used. This trailer is just the trailer, I think, blew away the short trek story. Um one of the things that I was not expecting, but I was hoping for was we got to see Michelle Yeoh. She's going to be back in season two as mirror, uh, um, Giorgio. Did I say Michelle Giorgio? I don't know if I did. They said mirror Giorgio. Oh, mirror Giorgio. Okay. Um, with her section 31 badge, didn't expect that. I'm excited about this. I love Michelle Yeoh. I don't know if Michelle Yeoh would ever, ever hear discovering track in her life. But she is so legendary and so amazing. And nothing makes me happier that she's still a part of Star Trek because mm-hmm. it is fantastic. You know, I want to go back just to one thing really quickly. It's, you know, you mentioned that um, this trailer dropped after Short Treks dropped. And after this drop, nobody on the planet was talking about Runaway. So this That's trailer totally nullified whatever interest people had in those short treks for at least this week. And we're not going to see another one for three weeks. So I think that's really poor timing on mm-hmm. the part of, of CBS on dropping these things when they did, because this trailer is just all out, man. It's all out. There's so much action. We get to see Pike again, which I'm telling you right now, Anson Mount is going to kill this as, yeah. as Captain Pike. He is so into this character. And what we've seen of them in these two trailers is just amazing. We got to see number one for the first time uh, with Rebecca Romaine, and I cannot wait to see that character development. Um, we also have some question marks that we saw. The Red Angel, as it's being called. Now, I thought it was hysterical and extremely frustrating before um, this trailer dropped that um, CBS All Access and Star Trek Discovery released a poster for uh, a teaser poster for season two. And it's pretty cool with all the, with the red spots uh, throughout the galaxy. And in the center was what we now know to be called the red angel. But, oh my God, the speculation that it was Romulans was driving me absolutely insane. Well, you know, Dan, the only thing that's ever had wings in the history of, of science fiction is a Romulan warbird. Um, So, 
uh, take that for what you will. You know, I looked at that thing and there's no way I even remotely thought <sighs> Romulus. You know, they've been talking all about the fact that season two is going to have a science versus faith theme. And the first thing I thought about was that conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how people drifted to, to Romulans. Uh, I think it was just people looking for something extra to complain about. Um, those vocal minority who who would complain about anything, even if you know Gene came down from, you know, uh, the heavens and handed it down on a stone tablet, that kind of thing. But uh, I think uh, I can't wait to see what this is all about because clearly it's it's far reaching. I didn't think Romulans at all for a second. The very first thing that popped into my mind when I saw that teaser poster was a phoenix. And Phoenix rising yep. from the dead. And then you brought up something to me when we were commuting one day of what you thought it could possibly be related to. Do you remember that conversation? I do. The first thing I said was, it looks like a Phoenix. How do we know it's not represent representative of Hugh Culber? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> because we know that that Wilson Cruz is in season two in some capacity. Right. You know, for all we know, it, it could be. It could be mycelial flashback. It could be, you know, Stamets processing things in his own mind. It could be generic flashback. Or I got to think it's something more. Yeah. It's going to be great to see. And they did they did um, expand on what that is uh, in this trailer. We got some good information about it. We saw it a little bit more. Burnham says that she's seen it too. Spock has seen it. So I think that's great. Spock, spoiler alert. We get to see Spock for the first time in this trailer, and whoa, Mr. Peck, you're going to be cool. I got to say, when you first started to hear that voice, <laughs> and it's real, you know, bass quality, and how it just has this real gravitas and commands your attention, I'm like, oh man, that's that's Spock. Yeah, and I got I got a little bit of goosebumps. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait to see what bearded, you know, stranded in need of help, Spock adds to discovery in season two. It, I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what Ethan Peck does. I love how they threw him in as the very last OMG moment of that trailer. We all knew it was coming. I mean, when we saw that bio bed being wheeled down the hallway, you knew it was going to be Spock. And then especially with the voiceover and everything, I can't wait to see him. One thing that we did see that I was also very excited about, and hopefully will quiet some of the gatekeepers is we get to see the Klingons again in the season two trailer. And you know what? They look like Klingons that we're used to. So as people were saying last year in the writer's room, things will be explained. There is connection to everything. And I think this was a good example of they were serious about that. You know, I've already seen people questioning and, and stating that this, you know, this change in the look of the Klingons is in direct result to, you know, complaining fans. And I no, have to believe no that's way. a bunch of BS. Yeah. Um, we only saw, well, they established in discovery last season, there are 24 Klingon houses. We didn't see anywhere near 24 different looks on Klingons. <laughs> and it stands to reason that, um, there's going to be Klingons that look like the Klingons we're used to. Um, we even saw Laurel with hair in the trailer, which I thought yeah. was interesting. And, Very and that's interesting. been explained. I don't necessarily want to spoil that for anybody now. Um, but Mary, Mary Chifo was talking about it at New York comic-con. So right. I, I think that, you know, when you think about what she says and you think about some of the explanations and you think about characters like Chang and Star Trek six, the undiscovered country, a lot of things I think are going to make sense. And, um, uh, yeah, this, I don't think this was because of fan pressure because no. the people complaining are such a small minority that, uh, it, I don't think it matters. There's so many more people who love what happened in season one. 
mm-hmm. that uh, I think people are going to be even more excited by season two. I agree. And and for those who have not seen it, go out to Twitter and check Mary Chifo's feed and look at the answer she gave to someone who was complaining about the Klingons. Yeah, these people aren't invested in the show at all. You read that and you will know how much these people love what they do. They study about it. They know what they're talking about. And it just makes me so happy to see people on the show that love the show as much as we love the show. Totally not fans. Wink, wink. <laughs> Long-range scan of planet complete. What do we want to talk about for a long-range scan, man? We don't really have much that we can go on. We know that we're going to have some more short treks coming up. Do you think we're going to see another trailer before January in regards to season two? I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because we're in October now, almost November, um, we might see some shorter ones, sort Mm -hmm. of teasing some things. If, If, I mean... I've been wrong every other week of discovering tracks. So if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm going to be very happy. But um, I can only hope that we see some shorter looks at things, maybe some more behind the scenes videos, you know, um, from the production team. That's always interesting. And I can only hope that they use short tracks, um, you know, a little better. I'm looking forward to the second one because I really like Aldous Hodge. Um, he was fantastic on leverage. And I can only hope it tells a better story. Yeah, but I'm going to go back to I think if that some of these things are handled by some of the writers whose work we've become used to through discovery, I think that it will be. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I we're as we record this, we're three months and a week or so from episode one of discovery season two. So another trailer would be a surprise. It would be a welcome surprise. What I'm kind of hoping is that they do what they did last year. And they had those quick 15 second little blurbs on Twitter uh, every week or so. I think that'll be a great, but uh, we'll find out. So yeah, Bill, uh, once again, we've got new Trek to look forward to, even if they're just short treks. Um, If the first was any indication, the next three will be just as interesting Hopefully, we'll see a little bit more of what we're used to uh, with Discovery. But uh, uh, what's up next when November rolls around, my good man? Well, Dan, coming up in just a couple of weeks on November 8th is Short Treks number two called Calypso. And it is neither the Jacques Cousteau vessel or a John Denver song. Something completely different. So get ready. After waking up in an unfamiliar sickbay craft, played by Aldous Hodge, finds himself on board a deserted ship and his only companion in hope for survival is an AI computer interface, which I'm very excited by. The thing that I'm even more excited about, Dan, is that this episode is directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi, who has turned in some quality work in Star Trek Discovery Season 1. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or even by heading on over to discoveringtrek.com. Dan. I can't wait to see this episode because of the director. I'm not even going to try to say his name because you know how I am with pronunciation. So <laughs> I'm just going to leave it that OO is going to be awesome. So I can't wait for that one just in a few weeks. Uh, that's it for now, folks. As always, we just want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us talk Star Trek Discovery. We'll be back next month to talk a new Short Treks episode with a brand new Trek character, as Bill mentioned. Until then... Here are some words of wisdom from Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Villains who twirl their mustaches are easy to spot. Those who clothe themselves in good deeds are well camouflaged. And until next time, never stop discovering. 
Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks. Executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com.